Hello and welcome everyone to the fifth edition of this year's Tiger Kickoff, the podcast for the 2020 college football season. My name is Adam Cole and I'm joined by our other two Missouri football beat writers at the Missourian, Max Baker and Andy Kimball, and we're coming to you from a pre-recorded podcast on the morning of Thursday, October 22nd. Guys, good morning. I know normally we record in the afternoons, but how's everyone doing? I'm, you know, I'm excited. It's Thursday. We got an email that there's no classes until noon. I don't have class today, but... Technical difficulties. Technical difficulties. Difficulties are not found in this studio. I don't know if we're calling this, you know, a studio. This is not a studio. If we're calling it a studio, the important part is, is that we didn't let whatever happened on MU's campus today stop us from recording this podcast. I mean, like, that wasn't going to happen. It wasn't an option. You are just a ball of energy this yeah. morning, aren't you? Oh, technical difficulties get me going. Jeez. <laughs> Shifting away from today and jumping back a couple weeks, because I know it's been it's been over a week, I think, since you guys have heard from us on the podcast. Uh, but the last time we talked to you, uh, Missouri was in the middle of a weird week because ultimately their matchup with then number 17 LSU had gotten pushed to Columbia. And I don't think a lot of us were expecting anything positive to come out of that game, but uh, that certainly was not the case as Missouri came away with the 45-41 win over the defending national champions. Goal line stand, really huge win um, for the Eli Drinkwitz era. Kind of, I guess, kickstarted things. I know we're almost two weeks out from that, but since we never really got the chance to talk about it, I mean, what what about that game stood out the most to you guys? I mean, Missouri's offense down three of its four top receivers, and it looked like they were, you know, it looked like they didn't, I would say, miss a beat, but they really never had a beat. So I don't know, like, it, they just, like, looked like a new offense with um, Bazelak and, you know, those receivers. But it also probably showed how much LSU was overhyped because... Mississippi State scored 46 points on them, and then Mississippi State can't score against anybody now. So I, I think you it's a huge win for the program. It's over a national champion. LSU's obviously got you know a lot more talent in terms of star recruits, but you know that's what it's so it's a big win. Yeah, I mean it's also like what Missouri's first home ranked win since like 2013. Something like so that. like it's like, I mean like even if like LSU is not as good, like there's still like the optics of it and like how it makes Drinkwitz look kind of like he has a good hold on the program in his first year, I think is the biggest thing, honestly. Um, yeah. And those, um, those receivers have actually now been pushed up on the depth chart. I believe Boo Smith and Toski Dove are both now starting over formerly Kiki Chisholm and Damon Hazleton, both of those grad transfers who got a lot of preseason hype. Um, and I know Drinkwitz has talked about too, I guess, Basilak got a lot of reps with the twos um, during fall camp and the off season, according to Drinkwitz, which is why things may have the process may have been a little streamlined um, in terms of just the success that Basilak had with those guys, and he ended up having a huge day himself, four hundred six yards passing, I think, and four touchdowns, led to a lot of midweek accolades. I think honestly, the most interesting thing to me was. Just the fact that at the end of the game, Missouri was able to pull through. I do think the biggest takeaway is that LSU is not what a lot of people thought they would be coming into this year. I think that's the biggest takeaway overall from that game. But it seems like there have been multiple situations before. Um, in large part, I think of the Kentucky game a couple of years ago where you know Missouri had the lead late and then they blew it. Um, on the final drive and it was hard not to kind of expect that going down to the goal line and then of course Missouri's defense held yeah I mean one thing though is like that was the same end zone that Kentucky scored on on the last play of the game in 2018 
So, like, if you're... I mean, obviously, this wasn't as big of a game, and I don't think this OSU team's as good as that Kentucky team. But, I mean, you, I, you could see it would be kind of cathartic for, like, Mizzou fans to see them kind of get a stop there. It almost felt like... Run. Yeah, it almost felt like when they were going down on the, the one-yard line, like, you knew they were going to score. Yeah. Just, like, from the 2018, from just from the past, you, you almost felt... And it, with the game, the, the way that game was going, like, you thought maybe LSU's not going to not get one yard in four tries if they just went 75 yards down the field in 30 seconds. Yeah. Well, and soon after... Um, Missouri ended up with the 45-41 win over LSU. Again, they kind of entered into another weird week as on Monday um, of that would have been last week. Uh, their game with Vanderbilt was postponed uh, due to, I believe, Vanderbilt played against South Carolina the week before with 56 players. Um, the league's COVID-19 threshold is somewhere, I think it's 53. Mm-hmm. So they were ridiculously close. Um very early in the week, the league canceled. Mizzou got an unexpected bye week, which is a part of why you did not hear from us uh, that week. But it was sort of a weird week on the whole for the SEC because, I mean, you had that cancellation, everything with Florida, Nick Saban's, I think, false positive COVID-19 tests. False positive slash slight contracting COVID, but then they said maybe it was just a little bit. And then it was gone. That's what I read. Like that's what that was one of the explanations. It was a little, a little strange. And then without the mask on Saturday night, yelling at the referees, it was a it was a dramatic week. It was such a weird weird week. And looking at speaking of Kentucky, I should say um, Missouri will be taking on Kentucky, um, a Kentucky team that went into Neyland Stadium a week ago and very much toppled the Tennessee Volunteers. Looking at that matchup, I think you've got a really stout defense and a really run-heavy offense that's going to be coming to Columbia this week. But what um, what about this week, this matchup, sticks out to you guys? Yeah, I mean, it's probably going to be the best barometer of what we'll see from Baselect this year. Just because, I mean, LSU's secondary really has, like, it's really struggled. I mean, it's one, honestly one of the worst secondaries in the SEC, which is really weird to think about because that's usually their strength. But, um, yeah, I mean, just because this like the Tennessee defense is, I mean, one of the most underrated units in the SEC, probably. I think they're like a top three group. They're really, really good. Um, and so if like plays well or even like average, like I think that's a good thing for Missouri going forward. Yeah, just I think Kentucky's defense. I mean, Mizzou couldn't stop Tennessee. They couldn't stop the run game. I don't think they had a single tackle for for loss in that you know entire game um, in in terms of the run game. But you know, Kentucky just absolutely dominated Tennessee. Like they couldn't get anything going offensively. I think they had. Was it two pick sixes or one pick six? Had, yeah, two. I think I think they were both in the first first quarter. They were yeah, they're both early and you know I it was just like they looked like a completely different Tennessee team when Kentucky was playing them, which you know it's sort of gonna you know you're gonna learn a lot about Missouri's offense if it was just a one week sort of thing because they've had two weeks to prepare. I mean technically they didn't have two weeks to prepare for Kentucky. They had a week to prepare for Kentucky, but they've had two weeks to prepare for Florida slash Kentucky. So. I mean, it, it, you're right. It's going to be a big test for Bayes. Like, and you're really going to get to see more of what I think the Missouri offense is. Do we have score predictions? Do we do we think we can pinpoint where this game is going to go, or does it does it feel like a does it still feel like a toss up? Like, I guess this close to it. I mean, I don't think Missouri's going to win. I don't. I think Missouri probably their preparation is going to, you know, they have, probably have an advantage over Kentucky in that sense, but. I think Kentucky's probably going to win another like close one, twenty four seventeen or twenty four twenty, something like that. I don't, I don't see Missouri winning this game, but 
you know, I mean, I was wrong last week, and LSU was a completely different team than I had imagined. I didn't ex- I, I said LSU Missouri was going to be low scoring, and then it was the highest scoring game of the season. <laughs> so I mean, you know, I I'm, I feel like I'm going to get better at this as the season goes on. But we're already in week four, so you know, I I, I yeah, I think Kentucky probably wins in the semi-low scoring game. Yeah, I mean, like, it's tough because, like, in college football, obviously, all, you usually want to take the over, but Kentucky's a very low-scoring team that wants to limit possessions. So that also, like, kind of, unless they, their defense dominates like it did against Tennessee, it lends itself to really close games, like, either way. So I think it's, like, really hard just to predict because of that. Because, I mean, Kentucky wants to have, like, 50 plays for each team during a game. And so, I, I mean, I think they'll win, I would say, like, 2014, but... I mean, it's just hard because if you look at their games with Missouri, they're usually close, even though Missouri might necessarily not have been as good over the course of the year. So I don't know. Yeah, I think it's going to be, especially with what we've seen, I feel like across the SEC, like all year, it's been a lot of very high flying, like ball going through the air nonstop kind of offenses. And this Kentucky team just feels like a very different breed in that, right? Like I think of, um, I think of, doesn't, isn't John Gruden who always says, like, he talks about grinders, or he did always talk about grinders. Gruden grinders. Yeah, Gruden grinders. It's like, I just feel like it's it's very cliche to say, but it just seems like they're a very grinded out kind of football team. Um, and I would imagine that, you know, Missouri, considering how Kentucky's defense looked last week, I would imagine that they probably don't win, but I am very curious to see that Basilac performance. I'm curious to see what they can do to establish the run game a little more, and I'm almost... I'm intrigued to see if they can make it kind of a run versus run, if that makes sense, and maybe try to outrun Kentucky because, you know, we haven't seen Tyler Beatty get super involved in the run game to this point. I know he had a good week against LSU, but if they can find a way to mix and match the rushing attack, I think they should be able to at least keep things contested. If I had to give, I guess, a final score prediction, I'll go 17-14 just because, but... Um, it's just that, that I think seven different players on Kentucky have an interception this year and like nine have yeah. pass breakups. I mean, it's just that defense is just good. I mean, and it's been good for two, three years now. I mean, since, you know, since the Kentucky started becoming one of the better programs in the SEC East. But, you know, I mean, I just I don't know that I see Missouri's offense doing what it did last week. And I bet you we see probably some of Robinson. I bet you we see probably some of... Um, a lot of Chisholm and Hazleton after, you know, I just see Missouri's offense kind of struggling and trying to figure out different ways to get their playmakers involved. Do you think we see any um, any dual quarterback uh, yeah, formations? Um, probably. I think you do. I mean, Drinkwitz hinted at it this week that he was going to use it more formations like the one on the first play, but Basil, or Robinson injured, I believe it was his ankle yeah. on the first play, and that kind of limited that mm-hmm. for the rest of the game mm-hmm. for those that didn't see it in the lsu game there was i think it was first play of the i mean first play of the whole game um Basilac and robinson came out and it ended up being a direct snap to larry roundtree there's a flea flicker touchdown later too there were a couple end arounds one that went for a touchdown just a lot of that that misdirection and and play faking um on display from the eli Drinkwitz offense what Going into everyone's um, everyone's favorite bit, everyone's favorite segment of the week, uh, we are proud to bring you Mascot Melee, um, and here's the breakdown. Each week, we're going to give you our predictions for who would win in a fight, Truman the Tiger or Missouri's opponent's mascot, and recently, we have added in um, a little more of a twist 
um, some spice. That way we get a little more variety week to week. Um, and Max, Andy, and myself are picking our favorite mascot matchups from around the country this week. Um, and we will hand it off to Max to present his um, mascot uh, matchup of the week. Yeah, so um, mine is the Central Arkansas Bears. I mean, coming off a big win last week against uh, Missouri State, you know, one of those battle line-esque rivalries. Um, they won 33-24 behind, I think it was Hayden Ray, who hit four field goals, I mean, and three extra points. I mean, that kid had a day. So I, I like the Bears, and, I, I you know, they're, they're taking Eastern Kentucky, the Colonels, who, you know, they've struggled in recent weeks. They lost a close one to Troy. Um you know, but they've, they've hung in there. But I think that's going to be a great game. It's a great mascot because I just think in honor, there, there was a woman who posted a viral TikTok about of herself feeding a black bear. And now she could be facing jail time because for uh, just like illegally feeding bear, uh, the bear chocolate and watermelon. And I just think, I think the bears are going to be fired up this week. I, I think they want, you know, I think the bears are going to be, they, they want that woman free. Like they, what's I, her name? Uh, it's a Virginia woman. It's just a Virginia woman. I I feel like I feel like I think her her identity is being wow. It's I it was she was on vacation in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. I mean, okay. I mean Eastern Kentucky. They already don't like Tennessee. I mean, so it's already like kind of a rivalry. Yeah, in that sense. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's that's where I I mean Central Arkansas is coming off you know just a big win, big win, a big win, a lot of field goals, and Braylon Smith has the boys going with quarterback. I mean, so. Yeah, that's my that's my mascot of the week, matchup of the week. You really did your prep work. I did. Andy, what's your mascot matchup of the week? Mine's a little different. It's the Big 12 matchup, the Oklahoma Sooners versus the TCU Horned Frogs. I actually didn't think Horned Frogs were real, but before this, our friendly podcast host gave me the tip, and so I've done some looking into it. And apparently they're actually horned lizards and not actually frogs, which is a little bit of a letdown. But... They have like the horns and the scales to prevent their bodies from water loss, and overall, I think they look really cute. So, don't they also? Did you read about the blood eyes? I could. Is that actually okay? I'm not sure. I swore it was horned frogs, but there is some reptile lizard out there that shoots blood from its eyes when it's in trouble, and I swore it was a horned frog. Yes, they can do it for up to five feet. There you go. So that's a good mechanism. So if you ever need something that shoots blood. Find uh, a yeah. horned frog. I, I mean, I don't know why you would need that. Yeah. Just throwing it out there for the sake of hypothetical. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, in terms of the matchup, like Sooners are humans with guns. So, like, that's kind of a tough break for the horned frogs. But, you know. That's a good point. That's a good point. My uh, my mascot matchup for the week, I, I don't think it's – I think it's another one that maybe kind of goes under the radar a little bit. But Florida Atlantic versus Marshall – um, just two, I would say, kind of unorthodox mascots. You've got the owls versus the herd. Um, I think, of course, if we're talking about a herd of buffalo against an owl, that's that one's over in seconds. But just a couple of interesting teams. I think Marshall has a ranked win this year, at least one. And then Florida Atlantic, I don't know. They have Lane Kiffin. They have Willie Taggart. So it seems like a place where uh, – a place where big football dreams maybe go to die. I say that FAU is um, how are they? I, I don't even know how they're doing this year, man. Shit, I'm gonna have to. We're gonna have to edit that. <laughs> hey man, Link, Link Kevin's doing all right. Yeah, here one sec, one sec. Okay, here wait. In three, 
I say that FAU is one and zero this year, and and Lane Kiffin is coaching an SEC team. So, um, we'll see where that goes. We'll see what Florida Atlantic can do against um, number twenty two Marshall. I should say. Not only do they have a ranked win, they are indeed ranked. You can tell I really did a ton of research when it came to this. Um, but looking at the ultimate matchup this week, we have Truman the Tiger versus the Wildcat. Yes, that is the name of Kentucky's mascot. It is just the Wildcat. Um, the mascot formerly known as the Wildcat? No. That I'm going to cut out, too. That was stupid. I couldn't even. <laughs> wow, Jesus. This is going to be like is last mascot, week. Is their mascot Scratch? No. So We need a blooper reel. Yeah, Which we really we... do need a blooper reel. Which one are we doing? We're doing the Wildcat. So The live Wildcat? No, no, no. Just the Wildcat, the mascot. So, okay, three. So they do have the Wildcat, which is their main costume mascot, but they they have three in total. We will be focusing on just Truman versus the Wildcat, but allow me to give you a little bit of background on all three of these guys. In the first place, there's Blue, and Blue is actually, again, we have another live mascot, um, but Blue is a bobcat living on a state-operated wildlife education center in Frankfurt, Um, and his Wikipedia page says that he never attends games because bobcats don't do well in large crowds. So... Um, You probably will never see blue in your life if you're taking classes in Lexington, but just know you have a living mascot. And then there is also, um, there's also Scratch, who is a child-friendly version of the Wildcat, which I find kind of weird because I generally think mascots are supposed to be child-friendly. I don't know why you would make a mascot with the goal of it not being child-friendly. But according to Scratch's Wikipedia page, he wears his hat backwards, drinks Coca-Cola, and this is a direct quote, loves to have fun. He's really got quite the dating profile of a Wikipedia page. And then last but clearly not least is the Wildcat. And there's not a ton of information on him other than the fact that he debuted during the 1976-77 school year. Um, and in a lot of his images, he wears a headband a lot. So clearly sporty. But looking at this, let's go into it. Truman. The Wildcat at the 50-yard line. Who are you guys taking? Uh, I mean, I think it's a pretty even matchup, but the one thing I can say about Wildcats, especially ones that typically wear headbands, is they always have their head in the game, so I'm going to have to go with the Wildcat. That's just, that did it for me. (laughs) That's going to make me pick Truman. (laughs) Sorry, Truman. Yeah, no, that's... University of Kentucky, I was doing a little research again. That's my favorite part of this show, so I'm, I always come to, you know, prepared for this. Ross Bogus, Bo, Bogus, sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name, Ross, but he grew up attending University of Kentucky sporting events, and he was one of those kids that would take a picture with a mascot, uh, KentuckyLiving.com says, and then he became a mascot. So, what does he say it's like inside of there? Well, he says it's a 40 to 50 temperature increase. And I don't know about Saturday, but 40 to 50 degrees once you're inside the set. And he said, it's, he said, quote, it's very, very hot. We do smell by the end of the games because we lose at least 10 pounds of water weight during our regular football game. And he said, because visibility is limited, he compensates by forming a visual room inside his head and muscle memory at the stairs. I can't pick this. A visual room inside this his is, head? There is just no way he is winning. This. There's just Ross has absolutely sold me on Truman the Tiger. I know nothing about what it's like inside of Truman the Tiger, but you know, I yeah, I gotta go with I gotta go with Truman. I mean, 
Yeah. What is a visual room inside his head? What does that mean? I, does he just I, like go to his happy place? I don't know Ross. I don't think Ross is currently the. Uh, I don't think Ross is currently the person the, inside the mascot anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Man, Ross, that sounds brutal. I mean, but he dev- he vo- devoted twenty hours a week to UK's mascot program and scheduling. Like, I think he's prepared, but. You know, that's just, you can't, if you have visibility issues, that's going to be a big problem. Well, what leads you to think that Truman wouldn't have visibility issues I didn't either. read about Truman. Well, at least you're <laughs> honest, Max. <laughs> I honestly think, again, I think this is a little bit like the Truman, the Tiger, Mike, the Tiger, match Scott uh, matchup a little bit uh, going back to LSU. I really do think it's closely contested. It might be even more closely contested than Mike versus Truman. But at the end of the day... I think I got to go with the Wildcat. Um, I'm not going to make a high school musical pun about it, but clearly he's the sporty type. And again, I think Truman is more set up for, he's more set up for those kids that take pictures with the mascots, if you will. He's more set up for the Rosses of the world. Um, he's not there to fight. He's, he's there to be, he's there to be fun. He loves to have fun just like his buddy Scratch. Um, so I really think I'd have to go with the Wildcat on this one. Um, but yeah, I'm sorry to disappoint you, Max. That's all right. Truman, I, yeah. I, I always go with Truman. I'm not always going to go with Truman, but I have, I've always gone with Truman because there's not been no logical reason to go against Truman so far. Fair enough. Fair enough. And um, I think with that, that'll do it for uh, this week's edition of Tiger Kickoff, the podcast. Um, as always, I'm Adam Cole, joined by Max Baker and Andy Kimball. If you want to find the work we're doing, feel free to follow us on Twitter at Cole Reporter, at Max Baker underscore 15, or at by Andy Kimball. And if you want to find all the work that the Columbia, Missouri is doing on their sports section, you can follow them on Twitter at Como Sports or head to www.columbiamissourian.com slash sports.